live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The long national nightmare in the national capital is over. Well, almost over. And I say national nightmare because every football fan was impacted by the horrendous ownership of Daniel Snyder in Washington. We were all punished by the last quarter century of Washington football. And when I say, quote, almost over, it's because the big news yesterday was not exactly final. In fact, it's the opposite of final news. The Snyders reached a preliminary, non-exclusive, unsigned, and unapproved agreement. Could it be any less definitive? All of that to sell the team to a group led by Sixers co-owner Josh Harris. But yes, generally safe to start celebrating. Congratulations, Commander fan. You did it! You did it! We did it! You did it! Congratulations, actually, to everybody. Because everybody wins here. You don't... Oh, yeah. You don't have to stress. It's like a rave up in here. Dan's gone. You don't have to stress about the particulars of the deal because at this point, essentially, it's clear. It's over for Dan Snyder. A deal is inevitable. It's only a matter of time. Commander fan, you are free. Free at last. Inevitable. In fact, we're all free. Free at last. His tenure there can be summed up as such. Horrible owner, worst person. Worst owner ever, perhaps. And an even worse person. I mean, find me one person anywhere not named him that likes him. Hell, find me one person anywhere not named him that doesn't pretty much hate him. So if this comes to fruition and he really is out, that is one of the greatest days ever for Commander Fan because this dude took over one of the greatest franchises in any sport and he ran it right into the ground. But here's the incredible thing. Worst owner ever, even worse dude, put a garbage product on the field, was engulfed in scandal constantly, off it, legacy and reputation destroyed. He tried to somehow destroy this great franchise, yet somehow through all of this, this asset appreciated insanely. Look at these numbers. The Harris Group has put up a bid of 6.05 bill. With a B, billion. An entire bill and a half more than the Broncos went for last year. An absurd 5.2 bill more than Snyder paid for it back in 1999. So the dude might end up making 5.2 bill in profit in 24 years after doing the worst job ever. No owner was a bigger disgrace. Yet he's walking out with the biggest bag ever. Imagine if you weren't one of the worst owners and worst dudes ever. Imagine what they'd be worth if you won anything while leading that team. Or had a stadium built this century. Or had a quarterback in this century. Or had not spent the last 24 years eroding and corroding and ruining a brand that was once one of the marquee brands in all of sport. Despite all that, this dude is going to somehow walk away with over six bill. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to tell Josh Harris and the company how to spend their money. In fact, I'm applauding Josh Harris and the company for throwing this kind of absurd paper around to rid us of the worst owner in sports. Oh, oh, also, not sure if you know this, but 
Irv. Magic is part of the Harris Group, which means one very important yet amazing thing. Now we're going to get goofy Irv tweets about the NFL as well. As if that sale already was one of the best things ever. There is going to be so much straight fire coming out of that magic Twitter feed. I'm not to set up an alert so I don't miss any of it. I don't want to miss any of those tweets. I don't want to go looking for those tweets. I want those tweets to find me. It's kind of like hitting subscribe on the JR Pod. Hit subscribe on the JR Pod. Thank you, Alvy. That way you don't have to go looking for it. It will find you every single week. That's how I want to be with the Irv tweets. Can't wait. Listen, bottom line on Snyder. This dude had to go. He had to go about a decade ago. But those good old rich billionaires have a funny way of covering themselves, right? For a couple of reasons. Snyder was far from the only owner with horrific bleep to hide. Maybe more so than the others, but far from the only one with horrific bleep to hide. And if his peers were coming for him, you know that he's dirty enough to go into the closet and start ripping skeletons out. So they don't want to fire one of their own. That's the last thing they want to do. They don't want to fire one of their own because they know if they do, folks or the aforementioned fired, will start poking around their business. But this dude was so jacked up, they had no choice. He was never going to sell on his own. They were going to have to pry that franchise out of his cold, scummy, dirty hands, which is what they did, allegedly, hopefully soon, and not a second too soon, because this guy did everything he could to kill that franchise, and yet somehow it survived. Somehow, shockingly, it appreciated several times over, even under the worst ownership ever. Even though this guy didn't win a damn thing. Even though this guy was generally despised by everybody. Even though he ran that franchise like it was the creepiest frat house ever. When he bought that team in 1999, he said it was, quote, the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, well, it was the least wonderful thing that ever happened to Washington football fan. The least wonderful thing that ever happened to any football fan. One of the worst things ever to happen to the NFL. The only thing that could have made that tenure any more embarrassing was if he had had a right arm, hand, arm woman bragging about she and how she was his silly wabbit. I'm Mr. Sterling's right hand arm man, his silly rabbit. His what? His what? His silly rabbit. His silly rabbit? Yes. Is that what he calls you? No. That's I call myself. So awesome. No self glossing, silly rabbit. It's a rule in the jungle. No self-glossing, and you just admitted it. What? Barbara Walters like, is is that what that racist calls you? No. That's what I call myself. Oh, so you self-glossed. Right. Beat it, Wabbit. Now you're done, Wabbit. Now I'm done. How could it have been worse? I don't know if Snyder had a terrible band with some terrible music that he forced on everybody. Wash away my pain. This guy's a bad owner, by the way, right here. But not as bad as Snyder. Your singing always leaves a lot of desire. You're a bad singer. Don't play your day job. You're a bad singer. Terrible. You're a bad singer. You're terrible. Yeah, well, now you're out. Oh, 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 I'm out. Oh, I'm out. You're throwing me out of this club so I don't have to listen to you. My ears are bleeding, but I'm out. Oh. Seriously. 
This is the company we're talking about, though, when it comes to Snyder. That's how he's going to be remembered, right up there with the worst dude ever rafters. He'll be up there in the worst dude ever rafters, along with Donald Sterling and James Dolan trying to climb higher. Good riddance, bro. Don't let that door hit you, nor your six bill on the way out. Horrible owner, worst guy, congrats, Commander fan, free at last, allegedly, almost. A reason to bump the storm. All right, so in addition to that, there is your big news story off the top. Hip Hip Hooray has never sounded so good in that town. Beat it. Horrible owner. It's actually Hip Hip Hooray never sounded good ever. I just said it's never sounded better than right now. Actually, it's never sounded good until right now. I want to say uh, three cheers for uh, for what we did. We accomplished a lot today, so it's going to be a hip hip, and I want to hooray. Yeah. Okay. Three cheers. Hip hip. I cannot believe that an NFL head coach in an NFL locker room led his team with a hip hip hooray, and they went along with it. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Derek Shelton. Derek, it is so good to have you on. How are you? Jim, how are you? Great uh, great to uh, talk to you this morning. It's good to have you, Skip. Appreciate it. So far, so good. You're 8-5. and five. The team has two shutouts in the last five games. It is early. There are a lot of good things going on, but what stands out to you the most, Derek, about the club's nice start? Well, I think there's a couple things. Number one, our resiliency. It's a young group. Uh, they've bounced back for, from some things, but we've pitched really well early on. You know, Like you said, we had the shutout last night. And uh, our starting pitching group has done a good job. And our bullpen, especially the back end, has been really solid in the early going. You know, Derek, you mentioned there's been some adversity already. I want to keep it upbeat and positive, but let me just follow up and get to the adversity. And we'll talk about that for a moment. We're talking about, in effect, shortstop O'Neill Cruz. He broke his ankle. He needed surgery. He's going to be out for a while. Injuries are a part of the game, but how tough was it to see the big dude go down? And then how do you go about filling that rather sizable void that you have now because of the injury? Yeah, it's a it's a loss for us, a big loss for us. Just definitely because of the growth we've seen out of O'Neill the last month of the season, last year through spring training and in the early going, you know he's a really dynamic player. It was uh, it was not pretty. Play at the plate, six seven guy sliding the ankle broke. He's had surgery. He's in better spirits. So 
you know, we're thinking four months till we get him back. And in the interim, we have three or four players on our roster, Rudy Castro, G1 Bay, that are going to fill that. And, you know, those are exciting young players too. But anytime you lose a, a guy that hits at the top of your order and plays in the middle, it's a challenge for you, but uh, it's the next man up mentality that we just have to continue to go. You bet. Pirates manager Derek Shelton joining us. Now, there are a lot of positive things. Brian Reynolds, for one, is blazing. He ripped the NL Player of the Week honors. How well is he seeing it right now? And then what do you think has been the key to his fast start? I think what you touched on, he's seeing it really well. I mean, when guys go through stretches like this, we know they're seeing the ball really well. I mean, 14 RBIs in, in 13 games to start and just continues to have really good at bats. And, and what stands out the most is the pitches he's not swinging at. He's not getting, you know, into deficit counts. He's not swinging at balls. And, and because of that, he's really hitting the ball hard. Derek, one of my favorite stories of the year so far is the return of Andrew McCutcheon. Now, if I'm sitting here in California and I like it that much, what's it like for the Pirate fans to have the former NL MVP back in the Steel City? And then secondarily, what's it like for you to have him in the clubhouse? Well, I'm at the second thing. It's great to have him in our clubhouse. I mean, anybody that's been around Kutch, just the sense of calm that he has about him every day. And then the smile, the smile's infectious. And, you know, he's an icon in the city, won an MVP. He wanted to come back. We wanted to bring him back. And, and I would say in the early going of the season that uh, if the coolest moment of the year is not Kutch walking to the plate opening day in Pittsburgh and the reception he got, I would be hard pressed if there was something that's been better than that because, I mean, it, it gave everybody in the ballpark goosebumps and something that's well-deserved. But we're really fortunate, not only what he's doing on the field, but uh, what he's providing for us in our clubhouse with our young players. Uh, it's been really exciting through the first two weeks. That is so cool. That was a cool moment. You're right. He's just got such an amazing way about him, always had. Now, when you talk about an icon – I've got another icon for you. The icon that is Rich Hill. Rich freaking Hill. What a legend. <laughs> 43 years old, 12th big league team. What's it like to manage him, Derek? Or do you actually not manage him at all? Do you just stay out of the icon's way and just be grateful that you have him? Yeah, no, we're grateful that we have him. I mean, like we talked about with Kutch, providing the things that that he's providing in our in our offensive group, Rich has done the same thing. The investment that he has started from day one of spring training, being around our young pitchers, uh, around their bullpens, having conversations. And, and it's like you said, it's not really managing him. It's more having conversations with him. And the great thing about Rich is he, he loves to have conversations. He loves the game. He loves to talk about things. And he's always learning. You know, he, he's asking questions. He's he's giving feedback. So we're, we're fortunate then in our pitching group, we were able to add uh, a guy like him with his experience and his just overall love of the game of baseball. You know, Derek, it's interesting because we know that when you're in the market that you're in, there's going to be some challenges in terms of what you can and can't do. And then having the spending power that's not going to match some of the others that you're going up against. All that said, it seems to me the organization made some pretty significant additions this past offseason. That was a little bit out of character. How have those additions played out in both the clubhouse and on the field? Yeah, well, I think we've we've hit on Kutch and and Rich. You know, we also added Austin Hedges, who who has done an unbelievable job behind the plate, you know, for us. And uh, and Carlos Santana. And Carlos Santana is a true pro pro. I mean, everywhere you go, people rave about him, about his leadership and and what he does and and how he integrates uh, with with everyone. And I think one of the things that Ben Charrington and I thought 
very strongly about was we have a young core group of, of Latino players and we needed a strong presence. Um, and Carlos was the perfect person. And he has come in, he's exceeded expectations. He continues to have good at bats, you know, adding him and Kutch, just the professional at bats that they provide. It just helps us so much with our young players. And we've been really fortunate. You know, Ben had a plan when he came in and we went through some tough times and, and we realized that the, the cornerstone of our, organization is going to be development but this was the year we were going to start to add veteran players to help with this young group you know Derek it's funny because there's that fine line right I was talking to Eric Neander the Rays about this earlier in the week where they don't want to put their players in position especially the young players to do things that they're not ready to do because you don't want to risk what that might do to them their psyche their confidence and to your point you need to develop players and oftentimes develop them on the major league level that's never an easy thing to do how do you balance that with the need to well we do want to win though we want to compete we want people coming to the yard but we need to develop them on the major league level how do you approach that well i think first and foremost the last three years we were able to do that because we got a lot of reps at the major league level i mean the key word over the last three years was opportunity and we gave guys major league reps as opportunity and i think as as eric probably pointed out you cannot replicate that anywhere you can't replicate that in the minor leagues you know this is the year that we started to transition okay we're going to add into this group uh you know we are going to make sure that we're putting guys in the right opportunity. And the key word in spring training for us this year and going into the season is competition. You know, there's some meritocracy to, to playing at the major league level. We've given that opportunity. Now it's, hey, if you're playing well, you're going to continue to get more opportunity. If not, then someone else is going to step up and get that opportunity. Derek Shelton joining me for a few more moments. Derek, you mentioned the minor leagues. Of course, you famously played minor league ball in the Yankees chain in the early 90s for the Class A Greensboro Hornets. Your teammates included none other than Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera. Pretty amazing, really. What were those two cats like at that time? What was it like playing with them? It was great. I mean, uh, I would use me playing very loosely. <laughs> there was a lot of other people that played, and, and I was on the bench a lot. But I, I think the one thing with Derek, just over the course of time, he really never changed. He was the same person. He was always consistent. Uh, he was on a team that had a bunch of college players on it, and he was the the high school kid. And he stood out just because he was so athletic, obviously. But the thing, the, his humility, his humbleness, it, it never changed, you know, regardless of end of his career. I mean, I was fortunate that uh, I was in Tampa working for the Rays the day he got his 3,000 hit. Was able to see that with Mariano, uh, quiet guy, didn't say much, you know, didn't have the cutter yet but was really just through ton of strikes. And I think the second thing with him is he never changed and was fortunate. I mean, I played with both those guys. I was there at Yankee Stadium the day that Pettit and, and Derek took out Mo for his last appearance. So it was kind of, uh, you know, full circle with being able to play with those guys in the minor leagues and then see them both you know, at the end of their career and uh, just tremendous human beings. I think that's really, really cool. So leave me with one last thought, if you don't mind. We're midway through the month of April, so we've had a pretty good time or a pretty good amount of time to gauge the impact of MLB's new rules. The games are faster. That's a good thing. But have the new rules improved the quality of play on the field? I, I think they have. I think they, they've they highlighted what we wanted to do. We're seeing more action. We're seeing more stolen bases. We're seeing more balls in play. It's not just, you know, guys standing at the plate uh, trying to hit home runs. I mean, the walk has become more important. 
And I really think the the pickoff, the disengagement rule is what's the the biggest one because guys are really starting to to take advantage. And and I don't think we're going to go back to the 80s where the Cardinals were stealing 100 bases and the Vince Coleman's uh, of that time. But we are seeing more action, which uh, is what the fans want. And that's the most exciting thing, uh, the most exciting thing we're seeing. Hey, Derek, I'm old enough to know, but can you imagine that? Just just think about that for a minute. Did guys really rip 100 bags back in the day? I mean, I know it. I saw it. I was here for it. But is that a mind-blowing concept, 100 stolen bases? It's crazy. I mean, we're talking, you know, now, and I think I said it yesterday, we're going to see guys get to 50 and 60. And then it kind of dawned on me as I'm doing it at Bush Stadium that, there were guys stealing 115, 120 and running, and that's just mind blowing to me. So I don't think we're going to get back there, but I do think, you know, the age of the stolen base and and more athletic players and how rosters are are configured is going to change with the the adjustments to the rules. Good, I like it. I like it a lot. The Pirates are out quickly. They're eight and five. They got that shutout yesterday. Game two is this evening. The manager of the Pirates, Derek Shelton, my guest. Derek, really appreciate it, especially on a game day. I mean, anytime. But I really appreciate you making time. And good to have you back on the show. Thanks so much. All right, thanks, Jim. Anytime. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you person listening to this podcast right now you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99 so unlike other cell networks you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today U.S. Cellular built for us terms do apply visit uscellular.com for details and no sooner than I said that or even thought that, look who shows up. Let's go to Buffalo. Rick in Buffalo. Rick, brother, what's going on? It's been a little while, Jim. Have I missed anything good? Didn't think so. As I typically do after a long absence, I hit stuff not to catch up on the show a bit, only to be greeted with an out-of-order sign. Apparently, little Steven couldn't cover his annual website fee and lost access to all his audio files. Imagine dedicating your entire adult life to archiving a radio show and not even being able to get that right. The Woodscopes think you're a friggin' failure. And a quick shout-out to Vic and NoCal for unblocking me on Twitter for the 33rd time. Love seeing your pinned tweet of calling in as Patrick Mahomes. I guess if I was as big a loser as victim, I'd pretend to be other people, too. I think Vic's next move should be impersonating Cal in Vegas and playing dead. Trust me when I say you wouldn't be missed. And I was saddened to hear of Cal's passing when you mentioned it on the show recently, Jim. But I am happy to report he won big on his last bet. He put it all on the under. Hey-oh! And with the draft coming up, Jim Bob, a few thoughts on my Buffalo Bills. I was glad Brandon Bean finally took my advice and gave up on number 49. Hopefully, McDermott's the next one to be kicked to the curb. At the very least, Beaner, get me on that coaching staff. Imagine me roaming the sidelines on Sunday afternoons, Jim. I'd make Bill Cower look like the choir boys Mark in Hollywood seems to be attracted to. And lastly, Jim, 
everyone knows it isn't smack off season till Rick in Buffalo says it's smack off season. So let's go ahead and make it official. It's smack off season. Now come get some, you little bitches. Thanks for the vine, Jim. Who loves you, baby? Rick in Buffalo, my man, Rackham Alvi. Rackham. It is now officially smack off season. I came to the realization I can't ring that bell. I can't make it so. Only Rick can. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Kalani Sataki joins me via Zoom. Kalani, it's always good to have you on. Great to have you back, Coach. How you doing? Thanks for having me on, Jim. Always good to have you on. So why don't you take me through this? Your 15 spring practices are coming to a close today. How have they gone, and what are your biggest takeaways from the last couple of weeks? How has the team looked to you? Well, I mean, you know, you go through all 15 practices. Obviously, we're, we're done later today, but uh, I, I've been really impressed with our our, our leadership on our team, the talent that we have, and the depth. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, to the off-season conditioning program in the summer and then getting to fall camp. But right now, speaking from after 14 practices, I feel really comfortable uh, where we're at and where we're headed. And then I, I we had we had some coaching, some coaches uh, that that some change in leadership. And uh, I, I think uh, looking at the offense and defense and special teams feel really good about where we're, what we're doing. We had uh, more physical camp than, than ever than I've since I've been a head coach. And so, uh, you know, for the most part of that, I think uh, we we're pretty healthy. Uh, you know, there's, there's, when you go physical, it's a violent game. Sometimes uh, that's part of, uh, of the game that, the, that some guys get banged up. But for the most part, I think the, that was worth the, uh, the risk of injuries that having our guys get used to some smash-mouth football. You know, Kalani, you were not the first coach to tell me that. Other guys have been hitting a little bit more as well. I would imagine that's by design, right? What was the thinking behind that? Well, we're going into the Big 12. It's a different schedule than we've ever had. And I think we've had some difficult schedules in, in the, in, as an independent school. But um, when you look at the, the teams that we're facing and, and the, uh, the, the the physical part of the game, we, there's only one way to get better at, at, at being physical, and that's to practice it. And so, um, you know, if you're looking at a price fighter, uh, they 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 spar quite a bit. And this is a, this is our opportunity for us to spar. We had our quarterbacks go live. Uh, um, that's just part of it. They they have to be able to work in in the pocket and feel the threat of getting hit. And uh, there's only one way to do it. And that, that's the spar. And we had some really great sparring sessions. Um, and I, I feel really good about where we're headed. And to get that out of the way and see it on film. It's in, uh, the best way for us to evaluate our program overall. Klein Sataki joining us for Talking BYU Ball. In fact, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say that very thing. You've always had challenging schedules, but this is some next-level stuff. For those who do not know, you're going to open up Big 12 play against Kansas. Then you host Cincinnati, who won nine games last year. And, of course, we're in the college football playoff two years back. Road games at Arkansas and Texas. Oklahoma coming to Provo. I know you know this, and I know it's one day at a time, one game at a time, but that is fierce. Like, what kind of thoughts do you have when you look at that gauntlet, when you look at that schedule? Well, I know it's one game at a time, but that's when we get to the season. That's why 
Uh, you know, we did our, our spring uh, our scrimmages earlier in the in the in spring ball. We want to get stuff on film. Uh, we know that we see the entire schedule, and so I think it'd be uh, foolish of us to be blind to all of that. Uh, we know what we have to prep for. We know the st the styles of defense, offense, and special teams that we're going to see. There's also some new some new things that we probably haven't seen. We we got to project it and predict it, and so that. Uh, that's what we're using this week for. We we have these three practices that we're utilizing that, to get ready for the season. Our players are looking at the schedule. Um, they they see what's ahead of them, and and I think uh, we have to go in that. You can't do it blindly, and you can't do it just focus on on one game. That'll be the case when we get to to, to fall camp, uh, and when we get to the season, is that you focus one week at a time. But right now, you got to look at the the overall. Uh, schedule. That's why they release them, you know. So uh, we see the twelve games that are ahead of us, and we see where there's a buy. Uh, we have to be deliberate about our approach and make sure that we're ready to roll by the time we get to week one. And then when we get to week to fall camp, and we'll, we'll focus on the one week at a time. I like yeah, that. Right I like now, that we're, response. We're focused on. The I'm sorry to jump in on you, Klein. I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I really respect that response, that you can look oh, at the big picture. Let me ask you this. like, There's always going to be this great sense of urgency, but because of what you just said, because of that schedule, because you're going into the Big 12, I would imagine the sense of urgency is even greater from the group. How critical is it that as you go into this conference that they show their very best and they show the other members of the conference, this is who we are, this is what we're about, and this is what we're bringing to this party? Well, it's it's you got to make a first impression, and so um, you know I, I think we're, we're we're living off of the a lot of the great hard work and and the tradition of what BYU's done in the years past. But now this is year one. There's a high expectation that I have of our team, but also that that the conference is wanting to see from us. And and uh, there's there's some people that we have to surprise right now. Uh, there's there's a uh, you got to earn your respect, you know. And so when you do that, uh, you get into into spring camp, you get into practices. Um, the, there's a there's a sense of urgency but it has to ha happen for me and, and and to our coaches and it filter down to our players but when you do that you look at the schedule and you say hey this is what we had of have ahead of us uh you know when you go into conditioning this summer uh this is what you got to get ready for and these are the guys you're going to be competing against and you're going to do it week after week after week we have to be at our best my job as a head coach is to make sure that we're at our best 12 times so we can earn more more opportunities to play again and that's what that's the focus and and when you do that you look at the entire schedule and i know the coach talk of going one week at a time. That's when we get to the season. Right now, we see what's ahead of us. We see what what the the challenge that's there. Uh, we have expectations. There's a certain standard that we have to meet. We want to make a great first impression. So that's that's going to be the goal. Kalani Sataki joining us. You, know, you mentioned a few moments ago there were changes on the coaching staff. You've got a new D coordinator in Jay Hill. That's somebody that is going to be your associate head coach. You know him. He's been a head coach the past nine years. The two of you worked together at Utah. What has he added to your staff, and how's that install of the new defense shaping up? Well, first of all, we appreciate all the guys that have been here, the, the, the coaches and former players, people that have, I mean, that's just part of attrition in the game, you know, that my responsibility is to our, our players first and then to our our, our fans. And so uh, the the fact that Jay and I, we, we come from the same tree, we speak the same language, uh, the guys that he has on staff are very similar, um, that, that, you know, we can we can hit the ground running right away and and. We've done that so far in the spring. And so I, 
I have a lot of comfort with him, and I have a lot of comfort with A-Rod running the offense. I feel really good about our staff, but there's also a high level of appreciation and gratitude to those that have done it, that have put in a lot of work to to help the program get to where it is right now. I just need uh, Jay Hill to, to, to elevate that and then amplify what we're trying to accomplish. And with knowing that we're going into the Big 12, that that's the focus. And so far in 14 practices, I really like what I've seen. We'll finish off this last practice and get to offseason conditioning and uh, you know, we're, we're, I think I think it's just going to be a, a really exciting time for us going into the season and going to this fall. It's great. Listen, before I send you off that last practice, let me follow up on something you just said. You appreciate everybody who's come before. And this would include, I mean, the entire family, the BYU family. I bring this up because you mentioned that you did your scrimmage a little bit differently because of the schedule. You had your spring scrimmage on March 31st. March 31st also was the day of the BYU alumni game. It's a special day in the sense that you had 300 alumni and their families to celebrate the heritage of that program. What is that day like? And then what's it like when so many members of the extended Cougar family come together like that? Well, it was a really good moment for me to connect with, with uh, former players and, and, you know, uh, BYU is unique university and we're so proud of that. And, and so if you played football here, it didn't, it didn't matter if you played for Lavelle Edwards or Gary Croton or Bronco Mendenhall or myself, um, there's, there's certain things that you experience here with a great fan base and the energy that's around football that, that is, doesn't compare to anywhere else. And, and we're all together and we get together. It's a way for I, for, for me as a head coach for, 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 Right to to express my gratitude and appreciation for all of them for the hard work that they've done in this program, but it has also gave me an opportunity to issue a challenge to them that that we're going to need them. We're going to need all of them to to get this thing rolling and and going into uncharted territory that BYU has never been before. I, I mentioned to the alumni that we as a BYU football program right now we're we're living and enjoying the shade that that were planted by the trees of others that have come before us and. Uh, it's important for us to show gratitude and show appreciation to those that have done it and to also invite them back. But there's a lot of things that they could do for our program that could really help amplify our group. And we need to be stronger as an alumni. And and, and that's, that's I see all these other programs that are in the Big 12 and they have a great tradition. But uh, now we got to step it up. And, and uh, I'm asking for the alumni to step up with us as we have high expectations. There's a We've got, to, we've got to raise the bar in our standard of what we're expecting from them. And it's not just the product on the field, but it's also the buy-in, the, the, the mentoring opportunities, the, the, just the opportunities that we have to have our players around uh, alumni. It's, it's been a lot of fun to have them run around and be in this, this flag football game. Um, that was fun too. You know, I was just worried that the guys are just trying to avoid injury. I mean, they're all young. They're all, they, they think young, but they're all old bodies. I, mean, I <laughs> I, I think I could still dunk. I go out there and it just doesn't work anymore, you know. So uh, we just reality hits them harsh sometimes, but at least they get to go out there and the big names get to go uh, play play football. You know, we had uh, John Beck and Max Hall and Ty Detmer and all these quarterbacks out there. You know, Brandon Dolman throw the ball around. We're still waiting for for Jim McMahon and Steve Young, so hopefully that will happen in the near future. That would be the best. That would be great. He is the head football coach at BYU, wrapping up their spring practices. Once again, coming off an 8-5 and five season, going into the Big 12. Really good things ahead. Kalani Satake, my guest. Kalani, appreciate you. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for making time. I really appreciate that very much. Thanks for the time, Jim. Go, go Cougs. And we're about to get down. We're about to get nice, hopefully. And we're about to get some action for the weekend and beyond. It's time. Head, what's cracking? How you living? 
Like a dumbass, honestly, Jim. Like a real dumbass. I keep thinking the Rays won't cover the run line, and I'm getting my dumbass. ass kicked. Well, you are a dumbass. Did you not hear dumbass. Eric Neander on the program? Are you not watching them? What's the matter with you? I did, man. 13-0 on the season. Get this number. 12-1 and against the run line. 92% oh. cover. <laughs> I'm and like, you, there's no way they can keep this up, but they do. And they keep doing it. Oh, yeah. So not only are they 13 or no, they're 12 and 1 against the run line. Yes. Uh, 92%. That should speak to their domination. <laughs> That's All right. It. So clearly, you're not in the best headspace. I know you went through some dark times when the NFL season ended as well, mm-hmm. and even darker times as the NBA regular season played out because you hate that. Mm-hmm. But luckily for you, and us, there is always something to hit. So let's do this. Let's Hell get some yes. action. Let's Starting with the association. And yes, we're still in the middle of Adam Silver's gimmicky little playing tourney. Yep. Sort of feels like, Head, that this tourney is never, ever going to end. But thankfully, it will tonight and not a second <laughs> too soon. The heat already cost me some dough. So I'm on the fence as to whether or not to hit them again, especially considering what I'm seeing. You tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing them having to lay five and a half against the Munster Kids mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. Is that the number you have? How are you playing Miami Chicago? I love how I'm the one answering this when you have that Munster Kid in the studio staring right at you, Jim. You know, hell of a book today, too, by the way, on a game day. What's it's, up, it's Munster? Not, it's not the actual Munster Kid, it's the Munster Kid lookalike. Oh, my bad. Okay. All right. But, but, but you're right. Wouldn't that have been a hell of a book if I could get him to sit in studio the day of a game? Four and a half hours before tip-off? Hell yes, it would be. What a great book. Chris and Erica, <laughs> nice job. I'm going to ride with Miami here. They're favored by five and a half, but let, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm actually going to go against Miami. I, I, yeah, already messed up one right there. But Miami yeah, but you've is You've never favored. done that before, though, dude. Butchering the language is one thing, but changing your pick mid-sentence is another. Uh, they uh, monsters yeah, in my sure? head. I'm going with the monster here, Jim. Monster plus five, five and a half points. Yes, absolutely. Or are you going to lay the points with the monster? No, I'm taking the five and a half points. I'm going with the monster no, no, mobile no. tonight. Um, let's say uh, so. Atlanta destroyed Miami on the glass Tuesday night. We saw that 34 more rebounds. They also had 20 more second chance points. That won't happen here against Munster's Bulls. They are not good on the old glass, but they are one of the best teams in the NBA in shooting the basketball. So there won't be as many misses. Also. Team efficiency rating stats say Chicago actually has the better all-around D and offense, if you'll believe that. So I love that part. Jimmy Butler I don't is, believe of course. That. Is that true? Yeah. Team, team efficiency stats, they have better. Even yeah. even defense, better yeah. than Miami. Yeah, I don't believe that yeah. at all. Yeah. Your yeah. boy Caruso, man. You should say yes, not up. yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The scary part is your guy, too, uh, Jimmy Butler. He always wants to hammer those bulls, but I think D.R. DeRozan can neutralize him. ATS, too. D.R. DeRozan. Yes. Love her. She will help out big time. She's the X Factor, except she's not supposed to be in the building, right? That is amazing sound. They better get her ass in there. They need her help. It's like Zion trying to get a Big Mac. Anyways, ATS numbers. What'd you just say? That scream right there at McDonald's. Sorry. Okay, we're, we're, we're yeah. running out of time. Keep going. ATS, hurry up. Oh, yeah. Hurry up, Jim. Jim, as in me. Jim. Yeah. I am Jim. What are you? <laughs> dude, you are a mess. I'm not a mess. I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good right here, and I'm better than the Heat are against the spread. Josh Check this. Allen. Horrible this season in the spot. 31% is dude, a home favorite. Dude, you're anything but good right now, man. You're garbage. You are They're so gar- confused. Garbage. Yeah, Miami is garbage as a home favorite. 31% worse. 
with a rest advantage, 22%. So let's go with the Bulls, embrace our full-on Pat Bev play-in game cry afterwards, take the Bulls plus 5.5. All right, so I, I think that you took the Bulls. Are you sure that that's what you want? Bulls plus 5.5. Got it. All right, so then you've got the imploding T-Wolves mm -hmm. who are swinging on walls and themselves and then choked that huge lead away against the Lakers, but now I'm supposed to trust them against OKC. Mm -hmm. Not only trust them, but lay the same 5.5. Yeah, I don't know about that. Confirm the number for me, and how are you playing that one? Yeah, Minnesota players take some advice from Chris in Southeast Wisco. Throw hips, not hands. Your Throw basketball hips, players here. Not hands. Minnesota, like you just said, is favored by five and a half, and I'm going to take them and lay the points. Little scary considering five and a half points and the fact that OKC has hit 64% of their games. ATS as an away dog, and the Wolves are the NBA's the version of the Raiders. Wolves. Are the NBA? I'm all right, Wolves. Wolves made me laugh. It was Wolves, kind of funny. Okay. Yeah, you know, T ass. I think we called them something like that. I did call them a T ass. I did. Yeah. I think they're Guilty. like the NBA's version of the Raiders. Is my point though, Jim? Against the Lakers, they what missed 14. What is your point, dude? Yes. What is your point ever? They blow big leads. Is my point. And against the Lakers, they missed 14. Wow, dude, of their you sounded pissed for a 16. minute. <laughs> I'm not pissed. I'm okay. never pissed. They missed 14 what of their I'm final never 16 You're always pissed. shots. I'm crabby, pissed, jaded a little bit, but, not, you know, not angry. Nothing okay. like that. Got yeah. it. Not like Rudy Gobert in his hands, right? So, um, huh? biggest worry tonight, protecting the basketball. Uh, Minnesota sucks ass at that, and OKC is actually the best team, in take, uh, best team in the NBA in taking the ball away. I just think Minnesota's size, even if Gobert does play tonight, with Cat, he'll have his way with the smaller OKC. I love that. And let's say Anthony Edwards won't go John Starks again in 3-for-17 from the floor. I'm also, uh, despite going 8-and-17 against the spread as a home favorite, I'm going to go with a T-ass, minus 5.5. All right, I love Starks. I don't care that he did go 2-for-19. He also went baseline, offhand, and threw him down a mic. One of my Ant favorite moments in the history of sports. Yeah, yeah I love it was it. great. All right, so the actual playoffs have not yet started, but they will soon enough. Who are you taking? Let's go Futures. Who are you taking to win it all? So I have two teams I really like here, Milwaukee at plus 265 and the Phoenix Suns at plus 425. I'd love to hit them both, and you can to make a small profit. Tough call here. I love Milwaukee, but Chris Middleton's 31-year-old body is uh, like basically a 51-year-old body right now. So I'm going to actually go with— At least he's trying. At least he's trying. I'll give him that, but I, they need him, dude, because Drew and Brooke are playing great, but they need him, and I'm just not going to ride with him. I'm going thin-skinned KD and the Phoenix Suns. KD puts them over the top for me. Uh, his shot making and his ability uh, to open up everything for his team offensively. He's averaging 26 points and shooting 57% from the floor as a son. CP3 is actually hitting 40% of his shots from distance as well. They're 8-0 with him, and Katie is now 21-1 in his last 22 games. He's also got that Devin Booger guy running with him. They do have Booger? depth. Who? Did you say Booger? Booger. I didn't say booger. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. You Devin did, booger. but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Alvin. Perfect one. They have depth, which was the concern of these guys. They have Josh Okogie and Tory Craig. I think they'll be vital for Sophomoric much? <laughs> That's this whole segment is sophomoric. No, your part of it is. Mine's uh, very professional. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going Suns plus 475. You know what? I like thing. that play. I like that play. Suns plus 475? Plus 475, third choice. Okay, let's take a shot somewhere else. I know you love value. Are you playing any of the series underdogs? Yeah, this first yes. round of the playoffs will be extremely, 
chalky, okay? So I'm going to go with the Lakers, actually, as a small underdog at plus 120 to beat the second-seed Memphis Grizzlies. Credit to plus Rob Plus 120. Pastinka. Way to put yourself out there, dude. Dude, I know. I know. Rob Pastinka. You know, Rob Pastinka, that guy. Rob Pastinka. Credit him, Jim, for actually not listening to the GM and adding the guys that he wanted to. I love Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley playing defense next for to real? AD. Love them both. And D'Angelo Russell, he, too, is hitting 40% from distance to help space the floor. Um, LeCap will ball, but I think it's actually going to come down to that hard-ass street close. I think he goes off against the Grizzlies. They'll be without two of their three top bigs and Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. That leaves Jaron Jackson, who is the favorite to win the Defensive Player of the Year, against AD. But AD, dude, despite the boo-boos, he's been lighting these guys up. He went for 29, 20, and three and a half blocks in the two games he played against these guys. AD, and the Lakers going, have won 10 of their last 12 games with that guy in the lineup. They struggle to keep teams off the old glass, but there's no Adams there, so I'm not capping here. Lakers plus 120. All right, so I've got 60. What I want to do is this. I want you to recap mm -hmm. quickly, and mm -hmm. then also if you have anything to add that we didn't get to because we ran out of time, you can mm -hmm. put it on your Twitter feed. Who do you have? NBA playing games, Bulls plus 5.5, Wolves minus 5.5, Suns plus 475 to win it all, Lakers to beat the Grizzlies plus 120, Hockey tonight, Buffalo minus 1.5, Avs minus one and a half. Go with the road teams. Columbus has to lose. They already screwed themselves over royally and 14 extra percentage points in trying to get Connor Bedard. So I like them losing tonight. So I'll put it up on my Twitter feed. Nice too. job. Put it up on your Twitter feed. I will retweet it. Good job. Good effort, head. Welcome to the jungle. A tremendous Monday to you. What's going on? So good to be here. You had a great weekend. What's cracking? Let's start with the Masters. Yeah! It was nearly the best weekend ever for the livers. Only to have old John Rahm reach into their chest and rip their collective hearts out and snatch their collective souls. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> Don't ever do that again, please. If not for Zach, I probably would have won this thing by six strokes. He is Robert Lucetta. He's a Spanish bull. He just does not have a lot of quit in him. Rahm is that guy and, and thoroughly deserved victory yesterday. Oh, good oh. gracious. Watch out. Oh, my Oh, my God. Everybody is okay. You know who was on the 17th green when that happened? Sergio. Holy smokes. The Masters grounds are as sick of Sergio as everybody else is. Please stop it. Just talk about the Masters. Why don't you just worry about yourself? Anderson and Rudy Gobert. Why don't you block a shot? Why don't you get a rebound? Why don't you make me a sandwich? Make a sandwich? <laughs> Incredible. That's not as bad. Is Jaden McDaniels. You can see Jaden McDaniels right here. When he swings, he grabs his hand. Maybe the wall told Jaden McDaniels to shut the f up, B. Lewis in Kansas. Hey, good. Hey, I'm not a clone. Hey, just so you know, before we get started here, I'm not a clone. Don't like you. Don't like your audience. Let me talk down to you for three minutes. Hey, I'm not a clone. With his wingman, B. Arthur, he is Dan Woiki. Dan, thank you. Thanks, Jim. Tried not to clear my throat this time, too. You know, I, I want to make sure that I was nice and well lubricated. <laughs> but Paul George has been very out there on this. And, and <laughs> just lie dead next to me. And I'm like, you little I mean, are you kidding me about that? I'll whoop your ass if your dad don't do it for you. Izzy clearly is not above disciplining other people's kids. Yeah, I looked for his kid and I, I pointed and at him. And he is keeping receipts, like, hey, even hey, on hey. little kids. Email. The Easter Bunny isn't real. Followed by Jesus is weeping today because of you. 
uh, it's a Homer hose, not a uh, a dong bong. So, but there you have it, clones. You you start off a nationally syndicated like product by going on and on about you know, a dong bong. It's not who I am. It's not how I got in the Hall of Fame. Dong bong takes Ryan in Sacktown for Rex and Bristol's Craigslist. Craigslist ad offering amateur pedicures. Ah, what the hell are you talking about, Ryan? How did you get on the watch list in the first place? Global warming. Mark Cuban. Logan Lowe. It's like this nice little column inside of Max Preps. Rogues. Pretty nice write-up, right? Uh, yeah, I didn't see it. Like Budenholzer is my guest. I don't think anybody's the team to be. We feel like we match up and can play and compete with anybody. You got to be hungry. Hungry and humble, and if we're at our bat, we'll take that against anybody. It was a foul on Anthony Davis. And Anthony Contested. Can we all stop acting like the Lakers just did something amazing? Brain fart. Do not tell me that was an awesome night of play in basketball. That's a good ass team over there, Minnesota. There was nothing awesome about any of that. I definitely apologize. Physically, I'm fine. Now it's just a matter of uh, like when I feel like Zion. Zion is a punk. Jamarcus Russell thinks this guy's a punk. Can Zion throw it 70 yards in the air from one knee? What's your beef? My two adult children. Who ate the little Debbies? Paul, why don't you and Mom keep it down while you're breaking the barn? Hello, Johannes. What is your beef? Groupies. My boys and I were playing a concert at the Nebraska State Fair. Made the mistake of hooking up with this bird. Jesus Christ. The wife has my toolbox out again. If you haven't shown complete cat and melons... Look that clown that just called it. My son isn't smart enough to operate a telephone. You better pipe down before I tell everyone that you married your sister, Savannah. It isn't smack-off season till Rick in Buffalo says it's smack-off season. So let's go ahead and make it official. It's smack-off season. Now come get some, you little bitch. It is now officially the smack-off. The rads are. I am going to find the most gigantic piece of cheese known to mankind and put it right in Central Park and then blow the whole thing up. You so do I. Big time. She's the X Factor. Except she's not supposed to be in the building, right? That is amazing sound. They better get her ass like Zion trying to get a Big Mac. Anyways. And Baez doesn't know how many outs there are. Maybe been so pissed about that pitch clock being implemented. Clearly interfering with his tootsie time. Gotta clean that up. Keep count of the outs with your toes. 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 Help me out with a little sandstorm, bro. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yo, Oh, yo, Clown. I mean, uh, brain fart. Yes, it is. All right, thank y'all. Appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. Take care. Physically, I'm fine. Try to lead by example. Yeehaw! Go Cougs. That's Job Jack Savage. Who loves you, baby? Good night now! Good night now!